Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to your Enneagram Coach, the podcast. I'm Beth. And I'm Jeff. And we are so excited to have you guys here today. We have been walking through the triads um, on the centers of intelligence, and we have talked about the head, the heart, and now we're going to do the gut, which is types uh, eight, nine, and one. And just to kind of give you a brief overview, uh, the gut triad has an imbalance in their gut instincts, but they share different assets and liabilities surrounding their gut instincts. And for them, they can struggle with the emotion of anger. Now it looks different for each of them. The eights are going to see injustices and they're going to respond viscerally in a fast manner. And I'll explain a little bit more of this when we get into each of the types. Now nines, on the other hand, they're kind of asleep to their anger and they don't want it to disrupt their peace and harmony. So they kind of just ignore it. And then the type ones, um, they feel that anger is wrong and bad. And so they're going to repress that. Um, But it's going to kind of leak out and being a little picky or uh, nitpicky, critical, maybe kind of some judgments landing on other people. Um, But their primary desire, so the common desire that the three of these share is justice. So the nines, you know, when we're doing well, we're very receptive, we're reassuring, we're open, non-judgmental, and we love to encourage others. Uh, we want to create peace and a harmonious atmosphere for others to experience so that they can flourish. Um, but when we're struggling, we are resisting both the external environment and our internal fears and anxieties. So we just talked about the eights and they're really pushing against the external environment. But now you got the nines and they're like, okay, I don't want the external environment bothering me and disrupting my peace. And I don't want my internal world doing it either. So what do we do? Well, we try to suppress our anger um, or that passion or the intensity, um, aggressive feelings that we might have and just shut it out, just shut it down. Um, But that doesn't really help, does it? So here we are trying to suppress all of this that's going on and it really just builds inside. So uh, the analogy here, again, is the two liter Coke, but instead of it being like an eight where it has no lid on it and Mentos are being thrown in and it just is exploding, uh, this really quickly for the nine, our two liter Coke has a lid on it and it is tight and the world and our emotions and everything external and internal are shaking it up. And we feel all of this pressure, but we want to be open and receptive. We want everyone to feel great. And so we're like, um, I need to put this two liter Coke over here. So we'll withdraw. We'll go put our two liter Coke like on a shelf. Maybe we're taking a nap. Maybe we're outside. Maybe we're just literally shutting down mentally and emotionally. Um, but it's all because we instinctively know that the, that this is going on inside us, but we don't even want to own it. We don't want to talk about it. We just want it to go away. And so that's when you'll find us nines withdrawing or literally just shutting down in your presence. Um, I don't know if Jeff, do you, do you ever experience this? Um, there are conversations where I have to ask you, like, are, are you leaving this conversation? Yeah. <laughs> or, or I'll be like, Hey, I can, and because my body literally will start to shut me down and I can start mm-hmm. to notice I'm not even like really hearing him. I know I can't even pull up words. I'm so overwhelmed or maybe I'm sad, which anger is rising up. I can't up. imagine what Libby is thinking right now, hearing <laughs> you experience this like that is just another planet. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, at least, I know that this two liter Coke is going to like explode if I don't get it away from the the circumstance or if I can't disengage from it, disassociate from it. And that's my greatest fear is for it to then spew and disrupt um, relationships or harm others. And so I would rather withdraw or shut down than have any of that happen. Now, I, I remember we a time we do erupt though. You do erupt. And I remember one specific time hearing you think about that because you had asked me, we were, we had just gotten onto the highway near our home. And you said like, it, it, it just five minutes down the road, you just asked me the question, like, you've been very quiet. I'm just curious, what have you been thinking about since we've gotten on the highway? And I just listed off a number of items. Like we'd only been driving for like maybe five minutes. And you probably took 10 or 15 minutes to to list out all the things that you had been thinking about in those five minutes. And you got upset with me. I was so overwhelmed. (laughs) They weren't even your thoughts. I was like, I'm like, whoa, like you just dumped like 
a dump truck of worries and thoughts and possibilities and preparedness. And I was like, dude, I just can't. (laughs) I just can't. I'm sure all minds are like, yes. Is a phrase that I have often heard. Yeah, I can't. I just can't. I just can't. And it's that way. I can't. I just just can't. The more she thinks about Jeff's world, she, I, yeah. I, I don't want to say that you've said you're too much. But you, you are sometimes said. too much. <laughs> well, let's be honest. Every type is too much for the dines. Uh, I don't know. I think they, they might like fives. No, they can I be. I do like fives. Yeah, but they can be too much if they if they start on a passion of theirs, like something, and they just keep talking and talking and talking and talking and, like, giving us all the data sure. points. If, yeah, like, I, there's a point sense. where we're like, uh, yeah, that's 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 a lot. Yep. So, but you probably won't know because we'll shut down internally and nod our head and be like, oh, this is great. <laughs> right, Christy? Yes, we'll be doing this. Yes. Yeah, this is great. So, Christy, <laughs> what has your experience been like as a type nine where you are feeling the the external world caving in to your peace and harmony that you're trying to create? And then so it's shaking your two liter Coke that has a lid on it. It's starting to shake up. It's building all this pressure. And so now you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do. What is that experience like for you? It is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the short answer. Yeah. I, I think when I think about my life before Enneagram, like before knowing anything about it, using it as a tool for growth, I'm, I can see so clearly how much of my life was organized around avoiding, well, avoiding a lot of feelings, mm-hmm. but especially the feelings of anger. Yeah. Like just, just the ability to be able to, to identify my own anger, which I'm sure Libby you do not even relate to this, <laughs> but just identifying my own anger and seeing it was really, really hard for me. Yes. And also just when I think back, I was so very unskilled with knowing what to do mm. with it once I saw it. I, I think just being in the presence of anger, whether that's in somebody else or having to acknowledge my own, it just always felt, it felt dangerous and scary to me. Yeah. And so And what was I, the I, I remember why was it dangerous? What was what was the fear? What was it gonna harm? Yeah, I think it was a couple things. I was afraid that in acknowledging my own anger, like what was the harm maybe that I would cause? Yeah. How would I express my anger? Because I just I as I said, I was very unpra unskilled. Yeah not knowing how to give voice to my anger. And so that fear alone of like the harm that I could cause in expressing my anger was really big for me. Mm. And um, I think also because nines, we have this, we have this really largely almost entirely negative view of anger anyways, which Mm. is that anger is this really bad thing that only leads to other bad things, which Mm. just anger is going to always lead to conflict which is always going to lead to disconnection for us. Mm -hmm. And the fear of disconnection for me in my relationships is a huge driver for me. I mean, I look back and realize what a big driver it was for me to keep that all tamped down, just Mm -hmm. keep it suppressed, like nothing's going on here, Mm -hmm. uh, and how much energy I was expending doing it. It's exhausting to, to do that. And I just think the whole process of getting in touch with my anger has been a journey for me. Um, As you know, Beth, I know you relate to this. I think when the feelings of anger take over, and you know, as a gut type, I feel it first. So I do feel anger in my body. Um, I feel like my heart starts racing too. I relate to what Libby was describing. My heart's racing. I feel almost like this ball of adrenaline has been dropped into my body and mm-hmm. all amped up on the inside. Yep. And um, and that just feels overwhelming and scary. And I don't and and as nines tend to do when we get overwhelmed like that is Beth, I've heard you say this many times. You describe it's like a fog machine going on in our minds. Mm-hmm. We just don't have the clarity in the moment to know what is going on. Yeah. What, why am I why am I what am I even feeling? What am I thinking? I, I just don't have connection really to that. It takes me a while to, I have to withdraw. I have to kind of go away, get, get clarity about that Yeah. because I rarely know in the moment. Right. I just know that I'm feeling all 
just kind of amped up. Well, and I think um, Jeff would, and, and let me know if this is true for you, Jeff, when let's say our kids were younger and they would do something that upset me, he's like, well, what's going on? And I'm like pointing out the obvious, like a, like the iceberg, that the part that's above the water. Well, they yeah. did this and they did that. And he's like, I know, but what's, what's going on in you? Like what? And I'm like, and well, then, I'm and, upset. Then the and then I would, I would say it again, like, well, they did this and that, you know? And he was just, what do you want from me? <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know. And, yeah. um, and I, I'm glad that you brought that up because it's a hundred percent true for us nines, very opposite of the eights, like uh, what Libby experiences. She has immense clarity in a, what's yes. like a, 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 a millisecond, millisecond. That's what I was going to say. In a millisecond, she knows exactly what's upsetting her and mm-hmm. why and how to articulate it in the moment. Whereas for us, like you said, this fog comes up. Now we know we're feeling like a two liter Coke, all that pressure that's built up. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I've got to expel it, but I can't because I'm so afraid of what it's going to do to all my relationships and myself. So we have this mm-hmm. huge fear. So then we try to keep the lid on it. And then all of a sudden, all that pressure just brings in like a fogginess, a, an unawareness that all we're thinking about is how to get out of the circumstance to calm yeah. the internal world down. And therefore, we can't fully know or express ourselves in a way that is actually beneficial for us and the other person. Because I think a lot of times when I'm talking to Jeff, he's like, he just wants some clarity. And I'm meandering around the whole situation, one, out of self-protection, also because I don't know what we're, what I'm feeling. And that can yeah. actually create more conflict <laughs> than yeah. what I'm – and so we just want to go away. And we'll go away. We're exhausted. We might go take a nap or, you know, whatever it is that the nines, each nine does to disassociate. Does this sound true for you as well? Yes. We are notorious for not being very clear in the way that we communicate with with whenever, whenever we've got any kind of feeling or emotion that feels uncomfortable to us. So I have really had to learn. It's kind of like our muscles in this area are atrophied. And where we're like the bodybuilders, we're empathetic. You know, we are receptive. We're non-judgmental. We receive people as they are. That's where we're like the bodybuilders, you know, in the Enneagram space. But man, when it comes to knowing ourselves and our inner world and communicating it well, that is where we have a lot of atrophy that we really need to work on. And it's scary, but the more we work on it, tell us a little bit what it's been like as you've gotten to know yourself and worked on expressing yourself, maybe in the moment or close to the moment, and what that's how that has affected your relationships. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening. But when the spots are filled up, they're gone. So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Sure. Well, the inroad to me in discovering my anger came through the, the back door of anxiety. Mm. So, so years ago, I was in therapy. Uh, I was, this would have been in my early 20s. Let's see. No, early 30s. This has been 20 years ago. Um, I was, I landed myself in therapy because I was struggling with a lot of anxiety. I was just, I didn't understand what was going on. Why was I so anxious? And as you do in therapy, you're, you know, you kind of are are unpacking some of your old stories and, and I remember uh, talking about a particular memory with this therapist 
and this is not a joke. I remember her looking at me in the face with that really compassionate therapist face and saying, and saying, wow, I just wonder how very angry you were at that time and maybe still are about that. Mm. And no kidding. I looked this woman straight in the face, probably with a smile on my face. And I said to her, I don't think I could conjure up a feeling about that if I tried. And that is how disconnected I was. Yep. Like I knew I was anxious, but I didn't know that I was angry. Yep. And so what I had to really learn in that season of therapy was how to connect myself to my emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in doing so, as I began to, I was really essentially learning how to feel things. Yep. And then as I began doing that, guess what I realized? I was actually really angry. Mm-hmm. The problem was then, you know, what do you do with that anger? And I was also learning that season was so helpful for me because it taught me something about anxiety. So anxiety is that thing um, that I, I, I define anxiety and my favorite definition of anxiety, I should say, comes from Christian therapist, Adam Young, who I know you guys know, yeah, he's great. love him, um, right? He says anxiety is, is. Okay, hold on a second. I have to pause here. Because um, I don't want to misquote him. <laughs> I don't care if I misquote myself, but he's an eight. He can handle it. <laughs> I know. I just I know he is an eight. That's funny. Um Okay, here it is. He says, so Adam Young says, anxiety is what you feel when you are avoiding important emotions. Mm. Anxiety is when you push down important core emotions like sadness, grief, and anger. So the thing was, you know, I was getting in touch with those emotions. I was realizing I'm actually really angry. But then the problem was, what do I do with that anger now? Because if, you know, again, my perception of anger at that time was, was really largely so negative. Anger was that thing that always led to conflict, which was always bad, you know, Mm -hmm. from my perception. And that conflict always led to just disconnection. Yeah. So this, the way that I've kind of had to do a lot of work around this and getting touch with my anger and then, um, learning how to express it. It's a practice I still actually have to do now. I'm sure Libby cannot relate to this, (laughs) (laughs) but it's something I have to do even still today, which is to practice giving expression to it. And that just means I have to create space in my life, in my relationships for the, for the healthy expression of my anger. I mean, that just looks like, it looks like I have to be willing to give voice to it. Maybe even in the moment, which always feels pretty hard and scary for me. It feels really vulnerable. I have to be willing to risk conflict um, and, and challenge that belief that conflict always leads to disconnection, which Mm -hmm. is not true. As we know, like conflict when handled rightly leads to greater connection and deeper intimacy. Uh, The other thing that I really have to remember having learned this lesson about anxiety is that my emotions and especially my anger, it's always going to seek an exit from my body. And I have the choice. I can open the door for my anger. Hopefully in the, in that practice of like, expressing it in some in some form that's healthy or i can suppress it which of course never leads me to anything good but in that suppression all that just means is my anger later is going to just open the door for me and the the problem with with that is is by the time it does that i that will not be on my initiative Mm -hmm. i will not have control over when or how that gets expressed Mm -hmm. and this is when people will start experiencing that anger shooting out sideways for me. Like I might get really passive aggressive all of a sudden or really stubborn as nines can tend to do, or I just shut down completely and withdraw. Christine, I'm interested about this because I, my impression as an experience of you is that you have a strong one wing. Is that correct? I have a very strong one wing. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I've been practicing as well. Yeah. It comes more out. Your eight wing is in work. Yeah, but your eight wing is strong. I don't know if they're stronger than the other, to be quite honest with you. I've got a relationship with both of them. Um, (laughs) Because we work together too. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. But I I am curious. So 
Beth, when you experience anger, what's the fear of when the anger comes out? Um, that you're going to hurt people? I'm going to either hurt people. And I think because that kind of that, that whole understanding of that we have our muscles are atrophied in this category that I'm not going to even know how to use these muscles well. And so, yeah, that I'm going to hurt others or I'm going to say things that I don't even mean because I'm not well nuanced in my emotional slash anger language. And so by even just opening my mouth, I what I've experienced over a lifetime is that when I express myself the response that I get from others, now this is through the grid of the nine lens, Mm -hmm. is that they're upset, they're hurt, they don't like what I said, I didn't say it right, I could have said it better. Or I have a little bit of the, I'm too much, or you don't don't want me to have feelings. Yeah, Yeah. like the false negative childhood message for the nine is don't assert yourself. So here I asserted myself, but I usually get pushback. And now another person might be thinking, oh, we're just dialoguing, you know, like we're having a good conversation. And I'm like, no, this is conflict. And so. Yeah. And it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. It's wrong. Like now you're upset and I didn't make you happy. And now I'm bad. Now you're not Mm going to love me. That's the, the result of it all. So then we try to repress it and it becomes like she, like she said, passive aggressive or stubbornness or withdrawal. And it only creates more conflict. So Christy, you're with your inner critic. What does your inner critic say about your anger? My inner critic largely says pretty much what Beth was saying that okay. that I'm not going to be I'm not going to be skilled in being able to express my anger in a way that you know my heart wants to do it. My heart wants to somehow be able to express it in a way of course that's very respectful and honoring that isn't going to escalate conflict. And so there's a, there's the inner critic there a little bit is going to be um, judging me a bit or overly mm-hmm. critical about how I might express that. And of course, this, I think that speaks to, to another struggle that nines tend to have, which is we can tend to hold this kind of false belief that to some degree we can manage or control other people's feeling. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it's all about, you know, sometimes me not expressing my anger is a, is me thinking that I'm protecting other people yeah. from me, from my, from how I might express that and do harm. Right. I mean, Beth and has I never to... thought that she could control my emotions <laughs> ever. Right. That is amazing. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, if I'm happy, if think... I'm positive, then everyone else oh. is going to be right. Right. Sure. Yes. And, and a matter of fact, it shows up in a negative way that whenever I am melancholy, uh, yeah. I, you assume that it's all your fault. Well, I'm, and I merge with the energy and then... Yes. But yes. merging also makes us more angry because merging does that thing where it triggers us at that old belief too that my presence doesn't really matter. I yeah. don't have a voice, Yeah. right? My voice doesn't matter. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a cycle. Yeah. I, I think the cycle that we can get into is that we suppress then that then the just the discomfort of the suppression leads us to numbing. Yeah. And then the numbing, we get stuck there. We everything's foggy. I feel like it's almost like the engine inside of me just slows down. Yeah. Uh, I feel a bit dead on the inside. I lose my sense of momentum and just feeling alive and awake. Yep. So it's a bad cycle. At the yeah. same time, the more I practice giving expression to it. And as you guys know, this is the great news about practicing new things. <laughs> the more you practice it, every experience builds upon the last, upon the last, right? And my brain has started to figure out, oh, okay, when we're angry, we go this direction now. We we move toward expression, not suppression. Mm-hmm. And then kind of that new neural pathway, if you think of it that way, that gets further cemented every time you do it um, is great because now my, more my default a little bit is to go toward you know the practice of expression less suppression because the fear of getting stuck in the trap of suppression numbing disconnection is greater for me now than the fear i used to have of just expressing my anger and i love that and we'll we'll uh move on to christy with a c i, for type I do one, have a question but... for christy with a c about something that you've mentioned okay christy with, with a her c- with her yeah but 
I want to ask it before we start on the type one, but okay. go ahead and finish your thought. Yeah. So what I love about that is, you know, when a two liter Coke is shaken up, we are trying to put it on the shelf, which is our withdrawal or yeah. passive aggressiveness, thinking that that is going to release that pressure. And it actually doesn't. The best way is to slightly open and close, slightly open and close, slightly open, you know, so that it's not mm -hmm. spewing everywhere, but you're releasing the pressure. And that's what the nine yeah. has to learn to do is in the moment to do the best that we can to release the pressure, to express ourselves, to say what needs to be said. And the more we do that, the more we're going to feel when that pressure comes on and that we actually need to release it quickly in the moment so that it doesn't build to such an uncomfortable place where we our lid might pop off and it spews all over the place. So I just want to paint that picture for the nines out there. Trust the Lord in that he has given you a voice, he's given you emotions and learn. And there might be lots of different ways that you have to learn how to build these muscles and expressing your emotions and expressing what's going on. But it's so important that you do because it's going to benefit you and it's going to benefit those that are around you. You know, it was the most helpful reframe for me was help was when I came to the realization that suppressing my anger, like pretending I'm not angry, um, denying that it's there. I thought I was protecting other people around me from my anger. Right. In reality, what I was doing is I just wasn't telling them the truth. Yeah. So when I under when I could see it through that lens of like, I'm not being truthful with the people that I care about, right? I could reframe it a little bit. And as I practice giving expression to anger, what I'm discovering is it actually keeps me feeling awake and alive. So I've had to reframe my thoughts about it or like anger and I have had to kind of redefine our relationship a little <laughs> bit. It's not, it's not my enemy. It actually can serve as this great fuel in a way Absolutely. to keep me in motion, to keep me from getting really foggy and numb and and in that trap that I mentioned before, it keeps me, well, I that's don't why we lose call momentum. You yeah. know, anger isn't always this bad thing. It's yeah. passion. It's fuel. I feel more awake when I practice, right. practice voicing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I want to make sure we get to one, but I, 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 would, I was going to ask a question, Christy with a C, and who's uh, a fitness and health coach, Type but one. Mm -hmm. that you were using the term atrophy. And I, I wondered if that was a, a self-determining or limiting belief that you have this muscle that has atrophied versus thinking you have a part of you that is ready to go when you are, but you're choosing not to steward it. So it's not that it needs strength. It already has it. And, and I'm curious, Christy, like whenever you're working with people with their bodies and maybe they're fearful, like, oh, no, I can't do that particular exercise or I'm not ready for it. But you know that on experience, like, no, your body is waiting for your mind to go for it because it's it's ready to grow. Does that does that resonate with you, Christy? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, and especially... You know, on the other hand, when a muscle is atrophied, just because it hasn't been in use, mm -hmm. you know, you have muscle memory. So, you know, in regards to what you're saying, if you um, are not, you know, not thinking clearly or whatever, but it is something that yeah. you have done in the past, but you got on that hamster wheel or whatever, yeah, um, it could have atrophied, but it has the memory to know. If you flip this script, you know, I have done this before. I, I am strong in this. Oh, that's I interesting. I don't that's know right. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I experience that having been an athlete and then whenever I do have seasons where I am exercising regularly, my body remembers mm -hmm. um, and I'm just bringing it back online. But it, we happened to be at a retreat recently and someone uh, uh a real cowboy saddled a horse in our presence who had never been ridden before, had a saddle. And most of the conversation was about this horse is going to resist something that actually it was made for. Like it is, it's gift. Like it, it has all of the strength necessary and we're going to put this horse to 
greater purpose than it has within itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I think about nines and that term, I was one, uh, just being curious about it, but it made me think of that experience of that horse is ready to go. Mm-hmm. It just needs leadership. And for the nines to think that it's not that I'm somehow disabled or weakened, but the strength just needs to be unleashed. And But it also needs to be directed. Right. Because if it's not directed, then you've got like the issues of the eight of misdirected anger. And, you know, it could, you're, you're dropping atomic bombs in the mm-hmm. room and let's just see what kind of fights we can get into here in the moment. It's going to be fun. <laughs> so why don't we go ahead and dive into type yeah. one? Yeah, so we'll dive into Christy with an M, mm-hmm. uh, or well, it starts with a C. Christy with a C, yeah, yeah. not Christy with an M. <laughs> well, I mean, her last her name. her last name isn't M. That's, yeah, right. that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, all right, so the type ones, now when type ones are aligned with the gospel and they're really healthy, they're going to exhibit wisdom and conviction because they have this ability, ability to be impartial with whatever circumstance they're in. They have this gut knowing of what's right and wrong, what's fair, what's reasonable, what's principled. And so they're going to bring that to the forefront, which we absolutely need. But when they're misaligned, it's going to actually stir up a few more things in the internal world. So they're going to start to feel resentment and anger in the internal world because things aren't perfect. And their inner uh, critic is really pointing things out in a very harsh, demanding way, like we have to have this right and perfect. And so they are trying to, to Uh, disconnect or not disconnect, but to repress or get away from what's happening in their internal world, which is the feeling and the knowing that something's wrong. And that just brings up a whole um, heap of issues for them. And so you're going to find that instead of suppressing, they're repressing the feeling of anger, Um, but it's there. And so they have their ideals. They, they know what needs to be in order, what needs to be consistent. And so for them, they're going to really try to hone in on what is right and what's wrong. But unfortunately, it can come out as criticism. It can come out as being nitpicky uh, judgments on to others. Now, they don't necessarily always know that it's coming out that way. In fact, a lot of times they're thinking that they're just bringing justice to the forefront and they're helping. But that's not how it always lands on other people. So let's paint this picture again with the two liter Coke. Now we talked about what the eights are like and what the nines are like, but for the one, it's like they're a two liter Coke with the lid half on, half off. So it's, you know, it's loose. And so then um, the world, you know, with all its imperfections are shaking this two liter uh, Coke. And so it comes out sideways, right? So it's gonna spew, but it's gonna come out sideways. It's not gonna be as intense and direct as the type eight, and it's not gonna be suppressed like the type nine and then explode. It is repressed. And so it's gonna come out sideways. Now to them, they're thinking, but this needs to be said, you know, this is right and this is wrong. This needs to be fixed. I'm just helping everyone. But it can land on other people because it's spewing outwardly it can land on other people as that criticism. It can feel like they're being put down or they're being put in their place or being taught, corrected. And and so they're, for the one, it's kind of like, but I'm helping, you know? And so Christy, can you help us to understand if this is accurate and true? And if so, how has this played a role in your life? Yeah, that is true. It's it's really interesting about that because when I was really digging into the Enneagram, I didn't really think about that I had a problem with expressing my anger. And I think that it's because, I mean, it all depends on who I'm with. You know, obviously the people that (laughs) I'm comfortable with, I don't have a problem with expressing it sometimes. However, now that I've dug into it, I can see where I do repress it and it does come out sideways as either maybe not even criticism sometimes, but just being, um, uh, I don't know what the, the word is, just, um, I don't know, I guess just sideways, you know, being um, that word. Could it be, me. what could it be? I know some people said cold or curt in their manner of talking. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, that word. Uh, yeah. Curt and um, it will come to me. Uh, but w- one example that I think of is, uh, just recently, and usually it comes out more if I feel like, you know, somebody that I really care about, if I see that they're being wronged, yeah, then, you know, 
then I can really feel that. And you know, my husband's a realtor and uh, with realtors, they uh, will, you know, go and do a market analysis on somebody's home and, uh, you know, put all this effort in and then mm -hmm. later find out that they listed their house with somebody else. And that's happened a couple times recently. And I, I mean, it, my anger, it kind of goes sideways, I guess, sarcastic, I guess, is the word that I was uh -huh. looking for. I get a little bit sarcastic, but I, um, in that way and, and just feel like that, that is just not right, you know? And, you know, I want to call that person and tell them how that's not right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Never let yeah. go that far though. <laughs> yeah. And so as you've, you know, heard from the nine and the eight and how they deal with their anger, how do you, like, what does it feel like in your body? Because you guys are the body, you know, center, the gut type, you have this gut reaction to injustice. And so what does that feel like internally? And what is your normal experience in expressing this anger or not repressing it? And what have you found some healthier ways in actually doing that? Yeah, I definitely internally feel it. Um, I think that Libby had said this too, and and maybe even Christy. I don't know if we all feel it the same way as far as when I feel that I'm getting angry, I feel it like from the inside out and my body starts getting warm. I can feel my heart rate get elevated. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what was the other part of the question? Just, yeah. So then how do you go about whether expressing it or hiding it, repressing it? And then what are the healthier ways you've seen it be done? Yeah. For you? Yeah. So for me, um, because I am a yoga instructor, too, has been so helpful for mm -hmm. me because when I when I feel that I definitely I just take time to pause, take a couple deep breaths, kind of evaluate the situation, you know, what's really going on where's this anger coming from mm -hmm. and um and how can i redirect it mm -hmm. yeah and, and i'm okay. just curious how does it from feeling it in your body so you're starting to feel some energy maybe your heart rate's up um and then i mean i'm assuming that the one part of you is just is going to want to control all of that <laughs> and tamper it down okay mm -hmm. do what's necessary to calm it down but at some point, do you ever notice in your mind that you become more vigilant about mistakes or errors around you? How does it show up in your thinking when you're starting to feel anger? Uh, yes, I. Um, it all depends on how long, like if I if I repress it, then I definitely start to, you know, and kind of go about my day. I do notice that I'm more critical of myself, critical of others. Mm -hmm. I see, you know, everything that's misplaced and not right. Uh, and so that's why I do try to um, to deal with it as soon as possible. And a lot of times I mm -hmm. think that, you know, the, my inner critic, a lot of times when I think about anger, I'm more critical of myself and get, you know, more upset at my yeah. house yeah. about things. Yeah. And Bethy, that's the a sign of a particular subtype of type one when they're more right. critical of themselves, right? Yeah. So the self-preservation yes. type one, is this what you are? Yes, that is. <laughs> yeah. So the self-preservation type one is going to look more at themselves and aim the criticism at themselves. The social is going to be, it's going to be kind of a hybrid where they're like, um, okay, we've got to make this right and I got to do it right. And I've got to be the model and the role model and the mentor and the teacher so everyone can follow me and do it right. Um, and so it's kind of like, okay, I got to fix myself in order to be that person. Um, so it's a little bit of the same, but they're also frustrated with some of the people outside of them that might be contributing or hindering them from being that person. But then the one-to-one -one, or uh, some people call it the sexual type one they're all about seeing all the errors out there and they're going to name it and they're going to bring reform and activism and, you know, be the, the person who changes everything. So they're really, they're looking outside themselves and it doesn't have to be other people necessarily. It could be what's happening in the world in general. So they, their anger is pointed outward. So yeah. and the reason why I bring all of this stuff up is because I, for me as a type six, 
I have come to recognize when I start to feel lonely, there is some element of anxiety or fear, but I don't experience that first. It shows up as I'm alone. And I start thinking in terms of doing life alone. Now, this has nothing to do with Beth and our relationship. She could be as near to me physically and emotionally as possible, and yet I will still feel alone because there's something else going on. And it's interesting, like for the for the nines, I, I wonder if that feeling of desire to disassociate, to disengage, to put it on the shelf is the symptom that there's actually anger involved. Oh, sure. For the one, it sounds like, Christy, you were talking about, when you start to become self-critical, that is the yellow flag that there's something else going on. Uh, Libby, what what is it for you? How does kind of anger show up, but at, in a secondary? Is it like, I am ready to fight the world right now? I have so much energy inside. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean, I don't even feel like I have those flags. It's just like, I feel it, I know it, I act on it, right? Yeah. And so we've kind of talked about that a little bit too, but I think being able to then identify it ahead of time, it's like Christy with the K was talking about, you know, the more you practice it, the easier it becomes that I can start to identify it in advance instead of just acting on it and not processing it ahead of time. Awesome. I think what you're mentioning, Jeff, is so helpful that every type has kind of a particular behavior that serves a bit as a wake-up call. And numbing is for sure that for me. Numbing is that when I notice that I'm kind of checking out or foggy in my mind, or I suddenly, you know, I have this deadline of something that I have to do that's due tomorrow, but suddenly it's like totally urgent. I have to clean my desk out right now and I have to do laundry and I've got to do 10 other things in service of not doing the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. Any kind of numbing behavior or just escaping, wanting to flee. I mean, I'm a, I can be such an emotional flight risk in those moments. Mm. That's my wake up call. It's I like the morning light on my desk. An emotional it's, flight risk. I, <laughs> Beth may or so may true. not hear that in the future. <laughs> yes. And, and it's like the warning light on my dashboard yeah. to say, something's going on. It, to me, it's the warning light that there are emotions there, there that are, emotions. are I'm right. not paying attention to. Yeah. And it usually shows up in anxiety for me. That's mm-hmm. just how the way that it shows up for me, but it's anxiety. And then that leads me to that discovery of, okay, what's going on emotionally? Yeah. In IFS terms, not. internal family systems, they call it a trailhead. It's that mm, first experience yeah, that yeah. we're not fully aware of, but if we yeah. walk the path, we'll start, it'll attune us to our real heart. Yeah, Christy with a C, what can you, after hearing everyone nuance, we kind of talked about, you know, the criticism, but can you kind of walk us through some other yellow flags or or even paint a broader picture? Yeah, uh, um, yellow flags, um, anytime that I feel um, uh, anger, uh, um let me think for a minute. It's hard to get when you're in a good space. It's hard to remember, you know. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, it's like what? I don't have any anger issues. <laughs> Things are going great. Um, right. Um. Yeah, I. Just any time that, you know, for me, whether it's for myself or again, you know, seeing injustice for somebody else is just for me the way that I feel in my body I can tell right away when I'm going to start getting angry and it's usually um well and actually one example of the other day I mean and this was kind of silly but uh I had to make a recipe for something for our life group at church on Sunday night and being the one you know I want to be all perfect and make sure that I have all my ducks in a row and stuff and um I looked at my recipe thought I had all my things and uh the day before luckily I realized that I didn't have the butter for it and right away I you know it was a yellow flag that that negative um that critic inner critic was coming to my mind of oh my gosh what is wrong with you you know (laughs) um and so that can get me in a downward spiral and um 
and then not wanting to ask for help, which my husband is more than happy to stop after he gets off of work to get it. But I just make a bigger deal out of it. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. I have to kind of regroup a little bit and, you know, think about, you know, well, where is that coming from? Why are you getting so upset? And it's so funny about the inner critic thing, because until I started working on the Enneagram and learning more about myself, I thought that everybody had that. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. I took the Enneagram test, I wanted so bad to be a seven because they seemed like the fun <laughs> people and didn't have, oh, have don't that. We all. And so, <laughs> don't we all? And, like, then, and then you I learn, like oh, they've got their stuff too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to ask question. Stuff. Um, and I've never thought of this before, Beth, but I do wonder if it was a part of my life mm-hmm. uh, in relation to my anxiety. So in, in high school and college, I was a place kicker. And one of the things about place kickers in football is um, flexibility. And I'm not sure why they think it's such an important thing. I'm not because I could kick a soccer ball forever, even before. But Mm -hmm. uh, starting my junior year of high school, um, throughout the week, I had a strength and conditioning coach that would stretch me for about 30 minutes. And Beth would look at when they're in weird. college, she was like, say, what is that man doing to you? <laughs> it looked like a pretzel. I'm like, this can't be okay. And, but I, it's interesting to think about that because, so Krista, you're a yoga teacher. Yeah. And, and I do wonder because I always feel an element of relief when I start to stretch in those ways. Like I, like I, I immediately go back anytime I feel tightness and you see me stretching sometimes at night uh, and like I, I feel so much better about my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and it's not necessarily the pain of it because they they overdid it and it was kind of crazy at times. But yeah. but Chrissy, tell us about how does yoga help you? But I, I'd love to frame it in this way. How does yoga help you with your inner critic and making it a bigger deal than it needs to be? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh just learning to slow down and in my yoga classes, because it's Christ centered, I always have an intention for the class. So we talk about um, peace and our thoughts or, you know, just different things. And for me, yeah, when, just when I was being stretched, I, we were not talking about those things. No, <laughs> <I bet> not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just learning to slow down and um and learning to breathe mm. and um there is something about you know moving your body in any way but with yoga i think slowing down and really stretching like that mm-hmm. i mean for myself i mean i just feel like the holy spirit is present in that and that yeah. you really you're releasing a lot of things that you don't even realize. And I mean, I've had people in tears and yoga, you know, for reasons that they can't even explain. And right. the same for, for myself, you know, it's just a way. Um, well, and also, yeah, you know, Christy with type ones, they pretty much live their whole life believing that the inner critic was God or the Holy spirit. Yeah. And then we come around and I'm like, no, the Holy spirit is not bringing judgment and shame and condemnation. The Holy Spirit is kind, goodness, love, peace, gentleness, like, you know, the fruits of the Spirit. And what was that like when you had that aha moment? Uh, So refreshing. And also even knowing that uh, um, just the revelation that there's only one person that's perfect and, and it's definitely not me. Mm-hmm. No, but the fruits of the spirit, I mean, that's, that's really, uh, that's a good analogy to think about that, you know, all yeah. those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, oh, Christy, cool. um, and, and all the rest of the numbers, uh, just as an encouragement, if ones can't do it and be perfect, then, uh, none of the rest <laughs> of us can. So, so let's just lean on Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Thank that's goodness right. for him. Cause you're making the best attempt of all of us. Yeah. And, uh, that's still not hitting it. Well, guys, no. where can people find you? You're certified Enneagram coaches with YEC. Um, so where can they find you? Uh, tell us websites and social handles and all the, the great places that you guys are at. Yeah, Libby, let's start with you. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, again, I'm Expand Coaching and Consulting. So you can find me at www.expandcoachingandconsulting.com. Um, but my Instagram handle is Enneagram2Expand. And that's where I am most active on social media. Um, but I would love to chat and help anybody. Um, my little tagline is challenging people to push beyond and, and expand their boundaries. So um, hopefully folks are interested in that and will reach out to me. Great. Thanks, Libby. And Christy with a K. Yes, you can find me on the YEC network with you guys. Yep. And you can find me at overflowenneagram.com. And yeah, I I would love to chat with you too. I I I kind of work from this idea that everybody is leading somebody. We mm -hmm. all are leading somebody, whether it's your your children or mm -hmm. your friends or your colleagues or whatever. And um I just like the idea that when it when it comes to serving, leaders do go last. I know that Simon Sinek says that when it comes to serving, leaders go last. But when it comes to growing, leaders go first. Mm, and I, it's just, I think so much, I spend a lot of my time thinking about the idea of who we are becoming, who we are becoming in Christ, and who we are becoming matters. Yeah. Um, so there That's you go. great. Thank Overflow you. Overflow and YEC Network. Great. And Christy with a C. Yeah, and I too am on the YEC network, and you can find me on Instagram, Christy, uh, lowercase, lower dash, Mishler, and then on Facebook, uh, Fitness Training Unlimited, and uh, website too, fitnesstrainingunlimited.com. Great. Well, guys, thank you so much. And for those of you that are interested in uh, getting in touch with them, like they said, they're on our uh, YEC Coaches Network and uh, their directory. And all you got to do is go to myenneagramcoach.com. So again, that's myenneagramcoach.com. Put their names in the search and there they are. And you can connect with them and learn more about them or the websites and the uh, Instagram handles that they told you. But guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you've really learned a ton about the gut triad, the eights, nines, and ones, whether that's you or someone that you love and that this has been beneficial. We hope that you'll share it. We're also on YouTube. So check us out there and you can see all these beautiful faces. Um, and we hope that if, for those of you that are interested and you just are always sharing the Enneagram with the next person and you can't help it, maybe you need to be an Enneagram coach like these three. So if you're interested, uh, just email us at info at your .com, and we'd be happy to have someone talk with you about what being a coach is all about. But as always, remember the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder because it's the gospel that transforms us. We'll see you next time.